you for joining us at Bangalore Revival Center. We are a church that's dreaming revival with God and serving people in love. It is our desire to equip you to represent Jesus and carry his great joy to the ends of the earth. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit dreamingrevival.com. Now, as you listen to the word, we believe that God will minister to you. To be very honest, before I came and sh- shared this word in the morning today when um was praying and God reminded me of all the things that had happened and he said, do you really want to go ahead and preach this word? So you first convince yourself before you go and tell it to, you know, the church, before the church is ready to receive it. So um, what today you might hear will not be the conventional, uh, it may be, it may not be the conventional word, but I just request you to keep your hearts free from any, um, um, how do you say it, like any misunderstanding, okay? Just pray, just ask God, Lord, make make sure that the arrow that you have released will hit the target, Lord. I pray that it will not deviate from its target. Every word that is spoken over my life, Lord, I pray that it will not come under a cover of disguise. I pray it will not come under a cover of misunderstanding. I pray that uh, you would help me to receive the word as it is, Lord, and let it soak. Let my heart be prepared to receive this word. Let it soak. Let it be soaked like dew on dry ground, Lord. Father God, I just bless these people who, are, who have taken time out to come and receive from your word, Lord. And I pray that you would edify them, Lord, and you would bless them, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So today, I'm the word that I got and um, the title that I thought I would give the sermon was called The Injustice of God. Yeah, and the, the portion that I took for this uh, sermon is from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7, okay? It's, it talks about Moses, it's the last chapter of Deuteron- Deuteronomy, and it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever, okay? Now, this is the story about Moses, and basically the last, uh, the last few details about Moses that is written um, so the first five books of the Bible have been attributed to Moses, right? And this is something that uh, is written about Moses. And I feel that it's God who is speaking about Moses. And God is saying Moses was 120 years old when he died and his eyesight was great and his, he was as strong as ever. He, he had amazing strength, okay? Now this is a little peculiar to be described by God about a person who has done great achievements, great feats for God. Okay, we all know Moses, right? Picked up from uh, a river, brought into the palace, ran away, became a shepherd, God called him back. He brought the Israelites out of um, slavery into desert, into the promised land. He has done some amazing miracles, okay? Yet God does not say um, Moses died 120 years old. Mm, You know, 
brought water out of the rock. No. He didn't say, he, Moses one died 120 years old, brought 10 plagues in the land of Egypt. He just says, his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. It's like saying, Pastor Priji, okay, apostle to the nations, revivalist. And when God remembers him, Pastor Priji died, he was a great banana chips eater, okay? And that's the description that God will attribute to Pastor Priji. So it makes you wonder, like why did, what, what, what is so, like wh wh what was God thinking when he attributed something so minute, so minuscule to Moses, okay? Now, I love the way God talks to us in riddles. He, he doesn't really always give it to you clear hand, you know. But he loves to put messages, he loves to wrap it up so that there is a lot of joy in when, you know, when we receive a revelation, when God speaks to us and he says, this is what it means, it's, it's amazing, okay? So we're gonna park this for a later time and we're just gonna look at our lives, all right? And um, have you ever seen a Rubik's Cube? A Rubik's Cube, yeah, that's something that looks like a messed up Rubik's Cube, but when you get a new one, how is it? Yeah, it's, it's arranged, right? It's perfect. All colors on the same side, alright? Now imagine you are holding this Rubik's Cube, okay? And I want to talk to you about the analogy of the Rubik's Cube. And I'm going to equate this Rubik's Cube to the condition of your heart, okay? Now, when you are born, your heart is a brand new Rubik's Cube. All colors on the same side, okay? Each day passes by, each step you take, it starts with you tried walking and you fell down, that's it. Then as a child, you are scared of taking the next step, okay? So now let's turn the Rubik's Cube, okay? Next thing happens in your life. You wanted something and you're, you asked your father, middle of the road, he whacks you up, yeah, that's it, turn it, okay? Next time onwards, you are never going to open your mouth and ask your dad for something in public, okay? And then you're growing up, you've, be, you've been a teenager and you have all sorts of problems and then the Rubik's Cube is like turning again and again and again and again. Finally, it's become something like this, okay? Now you've become 16, 17, 18, 20, 25. You know, a lot of things happen in our lives. Lot of them. A whole lot of them, okay? We are in the hands of imperfect people. Right from the time we are born, we are in the hands of imperfect people who bring in with them their drawbacks, their shortcomings, and then we end up looking something like the Rubik's Cube that is now jumbled up. It's just all over the place, okay? And that is where the concept of pain begins. How many of you have experienced slight pain ever in your 10, 20, 30, 40 years of life? Pain has been a part of our lives, yeah? Incidents, people, circumstances, 
things that have happened because of us, things that have happened not because of us, not attributed to us, not caused by us. Yeah, but nevertheless, nonetheless, we have had to experience some kind of pain, okay? I just want to tell you that um, there is a reason why you respond in pain, okay? First and foremost, we think whatever that is causing us pain, go to the next, next um, slide, yeah. We think that whatever co is causing us pain is a bad thing. So we bring in the concept of good and bad. You understand? Are you all with me till now? Okay. So we bring in the concept of good and bad and we think that whatever is painful is bad, is undesirable. Yeah. Anything that hurts us, anything that makes us a little uncomfortable, anything that makes us a little restless is thought to be something that you want to keep away. You want to keep it away or you want to keep away from it. People, again, things, places, circumstances, situations, these things, we try to just keep them away, okay? So, yeah, you know, I, I just tried to put all of this in points. Betrayal of circumstances means that we, we wanted something out of something, but to our surprise, it didn't happen that way. And we feel that loss of control. We feel that, oh, we are shocked. We are like, oh, how did that happen? How did it slip away from my hands? Okay? There is a sense of abandonment. When we feel pain, we feel that we are the only ones who are going through that. And we feel nobody understands us. We feel that nobody can really... Um, I, I, don't, I don't think if I share this with someone, anybody can really um, equate that pain. We feel this injustice, like, why me, Lord? Why is it happening only to me all the time? Yeah? And, and these are the reasons we, we try to take this Rubik's Cube and hide it somewhere in a cupboard. We have an external and then we have an internal. We have a face that we put in front of other people, and then we have a cupboard. We have our own bedroom. We have our own bedsheets under which we sit and weep our hearts out. Some people have gone to that extent that they don't have tears anymore. They have hardened their hearts so much because the, the kind of um, ravaging that was being done was so harsh, this was a defense mechanism. Said, no more. I am not going to get hurt by these things anymore. I have to live my life. I have to fend for myself. You know, the whole world, in, in small ways, it doesn't have to be anything enormous. In small ways, the world is turning against us. From the day we are born, we have been asked to fend for our own selves. 
nobody is on our side nobody thinks for us i don't know if there is anybody as selfless and as um, you know great in their hearts that they would want to think about another person everybody wants to meet their needs first and in doing so we to come ahead have to push the other person behind in our lives we are all on our own even our parents i don't think they have given us 100% we as parents are not giving 100% we as friends we as mentors we as brothers and sisters i think um you know indian parents are very good at this if you have a sibling you will tell and you want some work to be done you will always tell them let's see who does it first and there you so the first seed of competition in schools in colleges wherever you go you are competing you are always wanting to fend for yourselves yeah and that is where we find our keys to survival and that is where we bring in the concept of pain because when we are trying to survive something that is undesirable has happened something that is out of our control has happened something that nobody else experienced has happened to us and we attribute it to pain and the more we start to think about it the more hurtful it gets and then we segregate the bad from the good can i tell you something can i tell you something in all your pain all your life all the days of your life have been written have been planned have been molded by our god come on guys you will not like it and that is why it is the injustice of god okay all our days all our lives every little thing that has been added or subtracted from our lives have been have happened because of god can you say that to yourselves silently i so many things have happened i just want you to think of all the things that have happened the the thorn in paul paul and his and his thorn okay the limp that abraham had painful enough zechariah and his muteness what else jesus on the cross now put your name and add a problem rashmi and her depression someone sarah and her barrenness rachel and her competitors in the form of the concubines 
and her own sister. Put your name. Think of the problem. This is allowed by God. It has been allowed by God. And when I say this has been allowed by God, you will think, oh really? Good God. Is our God good? Good God letting bad things happen, if you look at it in mathematical terms, plus into minus is never a positive thing. It's always negative. Then how can a good God let bad things happen? I just want to um, break it into a few points, okay? First of all, where did you get your definition of good and bad? We always ask ourselves, how did a good God let bad things happen? Where did you get your definition of good and bad? Can I tell you what good is? It's not what you think it is. And if you think you can define good or bad, you are just telling yourselves, I am in control of my situation. I am going to decide what is good and what is bad, and so I can define what is bad. Did you get it? Are you able to understand? Am I, am I making it very complex? The definition of good comes from God because God is good. He was able to look at an absolutely barren land back in Genesis chapter 1 and he just created light. And he said, oh, so good. Did you see anything good in that? Oh, you, you can't. You can't define what is bad based on your limited understanding. Okay? And that is why <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would help this word to be broken down into their hearts so that it can be digested by them, Lord, and by me, Father God. Okay, good. Our God is good. Can you look at your circumstance? Can you look at that pain that you just thought about? A disease a sickness, a loss, a, a, a death, okay, a relationship that just got cut down and tell yourself my God is good because like I said you cannot define for yourself what is bad and what is good. Good is what God is. Anything that has the God factor removed from it is bad. This has to be the new definition for good and bad. Anything that does not carry good, which is God in it, is bad. Which is why... Let me give you an example and you tell me if it is good or bad. Money. Is it good or bad? Sorry? Can be both. That's a safe answer. But I want a proper answer. It's good 
it's good but the bible says the love of money is the root cause of all evil now is it good or bad when you take out the god factor from your money that is bad you should ask why money why prosperity why health why this person in my life if you remove god out of that factor out of that out of the reason why this person is then it is bad you should understand that everything god can give you the enemy can give you because he is a master deceiver he can deceive you and he can also pervert you okay so he takes something that is created by god because god is a he is the one who created everything he created everything creation can only happen by god not by the enemy okay so he takes everything that is created by god and he puts a little of himself in it and he can give it to you that is called bad because here's the thing the enemy can no god can create enemy can only replicate which is why if god can destroy i mean god can create and god can destroy which means that this balance is so perfect in his hand the enemy can only steal kill and destroy the enemy can bring you to ruin but god can bring that ruin to restoration the enemy can come and ravage but god can renew that situation so no matter what has happened when god steps into that problem the enemy brings in the problem god can bring in the problem and the solution which is why david he said oh you know what it's easier for me to fall in the hands of god than to fall in the hands of the enemy so anything that happens if you want to understand lord is this pain worthwhile is this pain something that you have allowed it that's a litmus test the litmus test is to see if it is from god if it is from the enemy if there is hope in the pain if the pain is in control of god the pain as you see it will be from your very short vision your field of vision from your small angle from your ground level you can't see the enormity you can't see the vastness and the completeness that god sees that pain from that's the pain as you see it but the pain that has been allowed by god has the sovereignty of god you understand sovereign sovereign means god says i decide and it happens sounds like a very arrogant statement to make but yeah god when god makes it it's no more arrogant because he has all rights to do it he is worthy of doing that you say it that may sound arrogant 
so don't try it but if god says it he is worthy of saying it he has all rights to say it he is a sovereign god because he has the keys to your past and to your future this little pain this tiny pain that is in front of you is under control the pain that talks about hopelessness is a pain that is from the enemy and you need to fight it a pain that brings in endurance a pain that brings in character a pain that brings in life is a pain that may be brought in by the enemy but god says you know what i have squished all the words that are spoken by the enemy and i am bringing myself into it and you will have life your pain if it leads you to despair it has some hint of the enemy in it but if this pain brings you to your knees and says lord you are good lord you are in control i trust you i believe you then that pain has done its work and it's on its way out you know as parents i i I've, i've heard a lot of people asking this question well, how can a good god bring in such bad things okay first of all when we ask that question we should be ready for the answer okay because if god has to sit and answer every one of your questions you will die your mind cannot take it you are so finite like a small little peanut and an elephant is about to squish on it okay so be prepared if you have to question god to receive the answer moses just said lord please can i see your face god took him out of the realm of time there is <laughs> um i think moses could handle it but if we have to handle something like that we'll be in heaven we'll never come back on earth okay, we'll never uh, land on that mount horeb the second thing being that when you ask when you ask god why does god a good god bring in bad things you are trying to say i need control of my situation i think i already covered that but i just want to take you back to another verse if you have your bibles let's turn to deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 39 it says look now i myself am he there is no other god but me oh that song that we sang so on point right there is no other god but him i am the one who kills and gives life i am the one who wounds and heals no one can be rescued from my powerful hand i am the one who wounds and heals i am the one who strikes and binds and you will see god making these reckless statements because now we we have to take god by the collar and say hello you are the one who's wounding yes he is the one who's wounding 
but he is wounding because he is very capable of binding it back the enemy on the other hand if he wounds you he will let you bleed to death he will never come back and give you first aid you know as parents again like like how you know certain certain um, parenting techniques that we've used are not very um, lovable i think my children will stand testimony to the fact that we've not been very um, uh, uh, careful with them okay when they were really small my son he wanted to jump off from the table okay the table is like this high he is this round and gravity works because of his weight he's going to squish him his bum out okay so we said no please don't try that but of course human no human has to be has to bring in his own uh, abilities like i am such a great guy have you ever seen me jump off from this table you wait and see till i do it then you will definitely give me credit okay he has to prove his worth so what do you do he'll jump you will go catch him okay then he thinks see because i jumped i landed so safely he forgot that we were the ones who were holding him so what did he do next time he saw us at a distance and he climbed back again on the table and he jumped again okay now we have the option of running to stop that action from happening <laughs> or we have the choice of saying he'll fall once he'll learn if he tries jumping from a building probably not he'll be no more to you know start to even begin the process of learning but if he's jumping from a table i understand the danger i will let him jump he wants to touch something hot what i will do is i will make i will i will uh, involve him for 5 minutes let that pan cool down a little bit it will be warm not hot and he if he's still insisting that he wants to touch it i'll say okay now you can touch because i am in control of the situation i know how much to hurt him enough for him to learn a lesson but not enough for him to go back wounded so badly that he can never never recover from it and i think god does the same thing with us pain is not bad your loss is not bad as long as god is in control when you give your control to god and then when something happens you just relax saying i know my god is good i know my god is in control and he is going to take care of it you know this year the the one word that we received that there will be was that there will be healing in in emotional and mental situations in church and i realized unintentionally most of our emotional and mental trauma is caused because of fear that creeps in because of this fear of letting things go i don't know how to put it properly but um let me try it again when you want control of your situation and when things don't happen that way you get sad sadness becomes depression 
it's a, it may be it may be a chemically induced process in your body but it is still caused by how you feel because of that fear anxiety panic you name any any emotional distress that is caused in your heart it comes solely because you wanted it to go it in a certain way you wanted it to go in a certain way but it really didn't and now you are either trying to bring it back in line or you are so in despair that oh i've lost sight of it but a good god will bring you to a point will bring you to a pain will bring you to a circumstance where he may let go of your hand but his eyes will be always on you he'll be still watching from the corner have our parents ever done this when we have gone to the supermarket and thrown a tantrum <laughs> we i want that lollipop i want that lollipop what what does our parent do either he'll buy that lollipop and wait for your teeth to rot so that at 60 years you will think oh my dad was right when he said i shouldn't have had the lollipop or this father will say you know what stay here i am going okay and he just walks out and my kids don't know this um, technique yet so but okay <laughs> i'm i'll blow it for them but what we do is we just move back a few rows and we keep an eye on them because they are now not holding our hand so we don't have direct access with them the minute some stranger walks to them and says beta kya hua what happened my baby who are you we rush because i don't want another stranger to cast the, his eyes on my daughter you guys are either phd in pain therapy or have no clue about what i'm talking or you've had like excellent parents my parents have left me in the middle of a crowded market and let me cry and gone and watched the had fun till now they recollected till now they make fun of me well i call them good parents i learned a lesson that day i cannot throw a tantrum in a crowded place i cannot throw a tantrum at all period god is a god is a good god who will hold your hand when it is time and leave it and watch from a distance his eyes still on you because he will step in when things get too overwhelming for you but he will still not bring you to a trouble to a temptation to a pain that you cannot overcome he will not bring you to a place where you will be defeated slain you, he will not bring you to that place job chapter 5 verse 18 for though he wounds he also bandages he strikes but his hands also heal i want you to get this concept crystal clear no doubt about this yes a good god will bring in pain but yes he is the one who will bind your wound who will comfort you who will come pick you up 
at the end of the day all that he wants from you is that you focus your eyes away from everything and on him any pain that has the glimpse of god is hope any pain that has the hand of god is good and the next verse is something that david says that i have already spoken about it said it says um it talks about david who is facing punishment and god gives him three choices and out of the three choices one was falling in the hands of god two were falling in either either facing disease or facing the enemy and this is what david says let us fall into the hands of the lord for his mercy is great do not let me fall into human hands do you have the courage do you have a little bit of breath left in you to tell yourself i don't want to fall in the hands of the enemy there are a lot of ways out of a problem enduring pain is definitely not one of them at least not one of the good methods per se i am not using the word good here but if you have been in a place of pain you will want a way out of it without seeking god's face those who those who have gone through problems in life know that there are a million solutions that the world can give you it can be company can be the kind of friends that you hang out with who will joke and fool around and you forget about your pain you can just go yourself uh, go and drink yourself silly and forget about your pain you can take some extreme measures so that you will never come back to the pain you may you may want to just walk out of the situation so that you don't have to face the pain and and that is falling into the hands of the enemy are you desperate to see the hand of god in your pain just make this one prayer god let me fall into the hands of the lord because his mercy is great his mercy is the one that's going to bring me out of this because our god is a is a come on guys our god is a he is a good god he is a lover but he is tough love he is a good god but he is a tough god and we require a god like that and there is no other god like him there is no other god like him he is the one who left 99 and came after that one sheep strayed away but he said my sheep i will bring him back can i have the next verse <coughs> it says come let us return to the lord for anybody who is facing pain for anybody who is facing abandonment for anybody who's who thinks who is 
who is attributing pain to something undesirable, to abandonment, can you say to yourself, let me return to the Lord. Let me return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, now He will heal us. He has injured us, now He will bandage our wounds. Give me Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when He corrects you. Don't give up. Children of God, don't give up today if you're in the eye of a problem. Because it's the Lord who is disciplining. And the next verse it says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Don't let the definition of punishment ruin this, this solemn act that God is doing in your life. Don't let how you relate to your father or how you relate to your mother ruin the relationship or the definition of a relationship that you are going to hold for God. Your parents or whoever was the authority figure over you were imperfect just like we are imperfect. They had their shortcomings just like how we have our shortcomings. It's just the grace of God that today God meets us at our place of need. God is meeting you at your place of need. And He is willing to be the perfect father, the perfect shepherd over your life. And He disciplines those He loves and He punishes each one as His child. And Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know, it's a very, very famous verse. Can we say this together? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. He, because He is in complete control, He is able to turn everything around for your good. You may not see it. But from his vastness, from his completeness, from his enormity, when he looks down, he has the ability to reach your past, reach your future, turn everything around to align you with himself, align you with your destiny, align you with his hand. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called to his purpose. Now let's go back to Moses. Remember Moses? Remember the last few words that God attributed to him? He had amazing eyesight. Have you ever wondered what Moses did with that amazing eyesight? A few, few of the people I know because I already shared it with them. Just, just raise your brains and think. What did Moses do with that amazing eyesight? He was 120 years old and his vision was 20 by 20. That's the vision, right? The power. Yeah. Before Moses died, 
the 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 sentence says two things he had perfect vision and he had he, he had strength he was he was a man of um uh, oh i forgot that that one word that was given to him uh, he was a very strong guy at the age of 120 okay now you should understand that this is happening right before he died that god tells him you are not going to enter the promised land why why was he not allowed to enter the promised land he is the one who led the israelites into the promised land he is the one who spent more than 40 years of his land in the desert he went and fought the king he did miracles he provided for the people of israel in the desert when there was nothing their clothes never faded their their shoes never wore out he gave them he gave them a drink from the rock he he brought down quail and manna what all has he done and yet god says you will not enter the promised land do you know why because because they murmured and yes they murmured he lost his patience and he hit the rock okay here's the thing the israelites were murmuring in the desert saying i we want water we need water to drink okay the 40 years they traveled without food without clothes they really didn't need any of that because they were being divinely provided for never mind um they said they wanted water and they started murmuring and moses and aaron went to god into the tent and he and they prayed god can you please find a solution god said this speak to the rock go outside there's a big rock speak to that rock and the rock will bring forth water and guess what moses did like a like a like a rajnikanth he went out took the staff and he said you guys were the ones who were asking for water right ye lo pakdo okay and he hit the rock and god found that to be arrogance God uses the word betray you betrayed me and you did not let the people of Israel see my holiness as punishment you are not going to enter that land bad right moses will be thinking how bad such a good god doing such bad things little did he know that god was preserving his eyesight god was preserving his strength in his body humanly that's not possible moses before he died went up on the hill he couldn't enter the land but god had a soft corner god said legally speaking i shouldn't let you go inside I am a just god so I will not let you go inside but I am a gracious god and I will find a loophole in every rule that I make God is a god of loopholes okay remember his loopholes are called grace mercy unconditional love forgiveness faith these are the loopholes he created and the same god who who told moses you are never going to step into the land it's okay moses come let me show it to you 
It's amazing. You want to see the land? And he climbed up, Moses climbed up a mountain at the age of 120. And with his beautiful, perfectly preserved eyes, he saw the length and breadth of the promised land. And there he died a satisfied man. Because God is a God who makes provisions for you even in your disobedience. There is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that can take you away from God. Samson would have probably lived like an utter failure for the anointing that he carried upon himself as a man of God, as a judge. He, he just lost himself in the pleasures of the lust. And repeatedly he got chances to move away from falling into the trap. But finally he got caught in his own weakness and he was cast into the prison. His Samson, the man with the long hair, his hair was chopped off. It says the spirit departed him. And there's one place where it says his hair started growing back in the dungeon, in the place of abandonment, in the place of darkness, in chains, away from his loved ones, in the pit of the enemy, his hair started growing. Slowly by slowly, his hair started growing and, and the story goes on to say that in his death, he killed more Philistines than he would ever have in all the days that he lived. God makes provisions for you and that provision is called grace. I want to invite all of you to just look at this gracious God and this amazing God, this good God, this God who is in control of all your situations, this good God who is, who is holding your days in his hands. Come on. He, he holds the keys to the days of your life. You are the owner of the keys to my life. You are the final authority of my destiny. Put my eyes on you and I trust is in you and I know I can never be afraid you are the author of the keys to my life you are the final authority of my death and I put my eyes on you and my trust is in you and I know I can never be afraid oh and I put my eyes on you and my trust is in you 
and I know I will never be ashamed for he is the lifter of your head anything that has caused you to be so low to the ground this is good news for you that when god steps into the situation or rather when you allow god to step into the situation you are going to be lifted up as the bride that is being readied for the big day this is just preparation this is preparation if you have ever seen a bride getting ready for her wedding day she does not start a few hours before the wedding no she starts getting ready 6 months before the wedding and when esther had to be brought into the palace of king xerxes she went prepared for one whole year and this is a preparation season for some of you here don't let that pain don't let that tear go in vain it's a preparation for you to meet your lord can you tell god it is better that i fall into the hands of the lord and thereby receive mercy than fall into the hands of the enemy than fall into the hands of man lord we bring all of our past every day every pain oh every tear that you have stored up in a bottle we break it at your feet like the alabaster jar Put my eyes on you 
ஹோப்லெஸ்னஸ் never mind the job never mind that person never mind your health church never mind never mind it's not easy for me to say it because my lord brought me to that place where he showed me my past and said rashmi do you really want to say this it's not easy for me to say it because i have also been a part of this but i am telling you my god is a good god my god is a faithful god and i give my god complete control make me able to do that my lord make me able to do that my lord make me able to do that my lord I may be alone. I may be in a place where nobody gets it. I may be in a place where I don't have 2 rupees to put together to buy myself a meal. I put my eyes on you, Lord. And I know I will never be For tuning in we believe that you are blessed by the word we would love for you to be a guest on any of the weekends on a saturday night service at 7 pm or a sunday morning service at 11 am for more information please visit our website dreamingrevival.com